Hello and welcome to Grim Reading. We're back from our break with an extra special story. And not only is this a famous fairy tale, it's also a world exclusive. Well, how can that be, Matt? Well, The Princess and the Pea is a well-known Hans Christian Andersen story. Mm -hmm. But a few years ago, I discovered that once upon a time, the Brothers Grimm published their own version in their fairy tale collection. What? But then for the next edition of their fairy tales, it had disappeared. They removed it when it was republished. Consequently, the Brothers Grimm's Princess and the Pea had never been translated into English until now. (gasps) Yes, a crack team of German-speaking Grimm reading listeners have very kindly translated the story for all of us. So, without further ado, for the first time ever in the English language, Grimm reading is proud to present to you The Princess and the Pea by the Brothers Grimm. Let's hear it. Hello there, and welcome to Grim Reading, where each episode we read and review a Brothers Grimm tale. My name is Matthew Hughes, and with me on this journey is my co-host, Mr. Adam Field. This week on Grim Reading. The Princess and the Pea. So make yourself comfortable and prepare for a grim reading. Once upon a time, there was a king whose only son, wishing to get married, asked his father for a wife. Your wish shall be fulfilled, my son, said the king. But it wouldn't do for you to take any but a princess. And alas, there's none nearby. Therefore, I will make it known Maybe one will come forward from far away. So an open letter was sent to every town near and far, and before long, an abundance of princesses arrived, one after the other. (laughs) Amazing when you just have an abundance of princesses. Well, you think so, but as soon as each was asked about her birth and heritage, it was quickly revealed that she was not a real princess and had to leave again (gasps) empty-handed. No way, imposter princesses. If it continues like this... The prince sighed in frustration. I'll never find a wife. Rest assured, my son, the queen said. One will arrive when you least expect it. Fortune often stands in front of the door. You just have to let it in. As fate would have it, things went just the way the queen had predicted. Soon after, on a stormy night, as wind and rain pelted the windows, there was a heavy knock at the palace gates. The servants opened it, and a beautiful girl entered, who demanded to be led to the king immediately. That's rude. The king was surprised by the late-night visit, and asked her where she came from, who she was, and what she desired. (laughs) Where'd you come from? Who are you? What do you want? Quickly now. I come from a distant land, she answered, and I'm the daughter of a powerful king. When the announcement came to my father's kingdom with a picture of your son, I fell deeply in love with him and started my journey here straight away with the intention of becoming his wife. Wait, they sent out a picture of him. They sent out a picture. Are there any princesses interested in in this this guy, this fella here? What do you think of him? Would you? Would you? (laughs) But presumably like a drawing or a painting of him. Yeah, exactly. A really flattering one as well. So there's a real possibility of... A little bit of catfishing going on there. <laughs> some, yeah, some old school catfishing. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, is she cat, catfishing him? True. Is this a real princess? Hmm. Well, King's, he's been burnt before. <laughs> King's not so sure. Yeah. This seems a little dubious, 
said the king. You don't exactly look like a princess either. Since when does a princess travel all by herself, without any entourage, and in such poor clothing? <gasps> An entourage would have only slowed me down, she responded. The colours of my dress have faded in the sun, and the rain washed them away completely. If you don't believe that I'm a princess, feel free to send a message to my father. Call, calling his bluff? Yeah, but he's coming right back out. Huh? Uh, yeah. That would be rather inconvenient, said the king. A delegation isn't able to travel as fast as you did. Those people need the necessary time, and it would be years before an answer would come back. If there is no other way for you to prove that you are truly a princess, then you should give up right now, and I would advise you to head for home sooner rather than later. How far has she come that it's going to take them years? Years? Yeah, I don't... I mean, I'm starting to think the king... We should be a bit dubious about the king now, maybe. Uh, possibly. Let her stay, the queen chimed in. Uh-huh. I will put her to the test, and soon we will know whether or not she's a princess. Well, what, what do you think she's going to... How do you think she's going to work it out? Uh-huh. How could you tell well, if she's actually a princess? Because her clothes are all ragged. I wonder. I wonder. I reckon there's some kind of test coming. Oh, yeah. The queen climbed up the tower and ordered a bed to be set up in one of the many magnificent rooms. A mattress was brought forth, upon which the queen carefully placed... Three peas. Three peas? One at the top, one in the middle, and one at the bottom. Then six of the softest mattresses were laid on top, clad in exquisite linen and covered with a blanket made from pure eiderdown feathers. When all was finished, she led the girl up to the chamber. After a long journey, you'll be tired, my dear, she said. Have a good night's rest. Tomorrow we shall continue talking. Morning had barely broken when the queen ascended the stairs once more. She was expecting the girl to be fast asleep, but found her awake. How did you sleep, my girl? the queen asked. Oh, miserably, the princess answered. I didn't sleep a wink. Curiosity piqued, the queen asked, Was the bed not to your liking? I have never slept in a bed like this in my life. Hard from head to toe, as if I was sleeping on hundreds of peas. Indeed, said the queen. (laughs) You are a true princess. I will fetch royal clothes, pearls and gemstones. Adorn yourself like a bride. Today we'll celebrate your wedding. Well, hang on. Hang on. Let's just slow things down. end. That was it. That was the end. That was the end. Is this a trap? Is this really the end? There's no trap. This is, this is, that's the legit end. What? You're confused. I'm so confused. How is that the end? She passed, she passed the test. She proved she's a princess, so that's just not muck about. Wedding time. Okay, I mean, I get it, but how... That's not what I was expecting. Is it not? Okay, that's interesting. I was expecting more. That is very, very interesting. Hold, hold that thought though, Adam. Okay. Because uh, I'd just like to say, before we get into it, <laughs> uh, a huge thank you to everyone who collaborated on this. We'll talk a little bit more uh, about the process at the end uh, of the episode. But for now, 
a thank you to our expert translators for Project Zeus. For what was uh, called Project Zeus, our oh. secret project. That was the code name, the secret code that was name. That the yeah. secret code name that I've had for many years. <laughs> <laughs> um, the translators were Ulrike Coeble, Sadie Labram, Catherine Schrader, Ryan Hansen, Jay Hong, and our resident German language expert, Lisa Marie. Sorry if I uh, pronounced any of those names wrong, but those are our translators. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much. Like, the amount of time and effort people have given up. Obviously, you know a lot more about that. I've not been involved in the process at all. Mm. But I know that people have been very generous with their time. So thank you so much. They have. Thank you. Thank you. But clearly, Adam wishes we, the Brothers Grimm, other people had spent a bit more time because I feel like you're in shock. I am a little bit. What? Okay, that's interesting because I think for me... The surprise was that it's three Ps. I think I'd always thought of it as one P. Always thought of it as one P. But otherwise, it was basically exactly what I expected. I had a feeling there'd be like multiple nights. Like they'd be trying to gaslight her. There's no P. She's like, no, I can feel the P. (laughs) And then she locates it under the mattress. And then there's a bit more. There's a bit more. Sort of skullduggery. With the revelation that she's a princess. And then falling in love. and going. But it's like. Yeah. I slept really badly. It was like I was on peas. You're married. End. Yeah. What? Okay. No, I know what you mean. I mean, perhaps that's because you've become accustomed to the other fairy tales where there is a little more going on and yeah. a little more peril, maybe. This one, I don't know, almost maybe feels like satire or a mock fairy tale. It's just so, mm. so simple. Here's a little test. You've passed the test. Let's get you some gemstones. Wedding time. Like that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom, yeah. done. Yeah, but I didn't think uh, I didn't think of all that stuff. I think no. that is what I expected. Okay. Anything Anything else to surprise in there? Or, um, so how many mattresses were there? Six was it? I've got six in my head. Yeah, six of the softest mattresses, and they were covered in linen, and there were eider down blankets. Weren't yeah, they? yeah. yeah. It's a really nice bed. Hmm. Okay. Not not enough mattresses, maybe? <laughs> well, it said specifically they were very soft. So, I mean, if they were really soft, you would yeah. feel a pee, right? Through six mattresses. No, obviously not. But <laughs> I know it's just it's silly, isn't it? But like, um, so when we went to uh, Denmark last mm. year, like pretty much this time last year, we obviously paid a trip to the Hans Christian Andersen Museum. And one of the exhibits we saw was the princess and the pea yeah and i mean when you see that there's a lot of mattresses stacked up yeah and when you find out it's just six it's like (laughs) well adam it's six in this story (gasps) no way oh let's not get ahead of ourselves okay (laughs) god you're so astute can't keep anything from you. No, you can't. But yeah, I actually looked at um, I looked up pictures of our oh, trip did you? to Yeah, it's so cool. Maybe I'll post one on Instagram. Definitely should. This, that's there's, that's there's a really cool thing. Looking slightly ridiculous in front of these mattresses. <laughs> <laughs> I've got like my my uh, hands on my waist, like standing up really <laughs> tall with these headphones on from the the t- museum oh, tour. Oh, for the guided tour, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, so I think what you're saying is you kind of visualize it as this sort of like mighty tower yeah. of. Uh, mattresses i think that is the the thing with this story it's that it's the visual it's the visuals exactly it's that image iconic visual i'd say iconic yeah iconic visual Uh, a bit like the rapunzel tower yeah red riding hood's hood or hansel and gretel cake 
house. Exactly. It's one. It's up there with that, isn't it? Yeah. That, that is the kind of. It almost tells the whole story, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. That, that the story image. in one image. Yeah. But what's interesting, I suppose, and this wasn't what I was expecting when we sat down to record, but I think, if I think back in the past, I think maybe my first impression of the story, having been not that familiar with it, was that the the thrust of the story was actually this princess was so sort of um, over-pampered and over-sensitive mm-hmm. that she was complaining about a pee. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it was less to do with her ability to detect the pee being like a, whoa, she's a princess, that's incredible. But yeah. more like, oh, she complained about anything. She complained about a pee under six yeah. mattresses. But obviously that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is, if I'm getting this right, she's a princess, therefore she has magical pee-sensing powers. <laughs> I think um, you've hit the nail on the head there that there's a, there's an ambiguity to this. Mm. Like, what what is it actually saying? Yeah. And this one, this one is so simple that it kind of does seem to be saying, yeah, okay, she's a she's a princess, yeah. but it doesn't necessarily confirm that. Confirm it. I've actually written down about uh, six ideas about. What is this story actually saying? So shall I run them by you? Please do. So Adam, am I meant to take away from this that some people are better than others? Right? The higher classes are better. Mm. These fake princesses, they're not as refined. They wouldn't be able to identify a P. Yeah. Actually, were all those other princesses, is this how they were found not to be princesses? We don't actually know that. No, that's true. Mm. That is something I took away from it. All right. Well idea too (laughs) is it a joke on that idea right is it having a little dig at how haughty the upper classes are right that it's ridiculous this whole concept is just absurd the idea of like this higher class of person yeah how about this one then is it saying don't judge a book by its cover you know the princess she was like wet through no entourage but she was a princess whereas the others looked like princesses but they weren't Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Is that, that what is it's true. telling us? That is true. <laughs> Although, okay, yeah. No, I've got thoughts on that appearance angle. Okay, all right. Shall I just finish off the idea? Yeah, no, no. You, you go for it. Is it saying, it's good to check things. Be judicious. <laughs> Don't marry your kid off to anyone at the door. Yeah. Right? Be prudent and picky when it comes to your kid's spouse. Yeah. Or, or, should this girl be seeking medical advice because she is way too sensitive, princess or otherwise? Yeah. But then again, actually, she did arrive in the rain with no complaints. So that's, that's a little inconsistency there. That's strange, isn't it? Or, Adam, is it just a fun little story? Oh, now hey. there's a twist. Hey. There's a twist and a half. <laughs> and we're overthinking it. There's got to be meaning there, though, Matt. There's got to be. So I guess, you know, it's kind of all of that and none of that. But the, mm. the, the first two are like the main ones. Is it saying some people are better than others? Yeah. Or is it a joke on that idea? Is it the opposite it of flipping that? it? And it's kind of amazing how ambiguous it is. The fact that it could be satirizing or it could be literal. And I'd say when most people think of the princess and the pea, they think of it as the literal way. Yeah. It is that stereotypical fairy tale, kind of like the worst things we associate with fairy tales, right? Yeah. The idea of princesses being better and all that stuff. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so your first two, your first two like ideas or themes, 
are effectively like two different sides of the same coin. It's like which yeah. which angle. It's either. I mean, it could be neither, but it's either like one or the other. <laughs> it can't true. be both. It can't be both because they're mm. like. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure. Yeah, I think when you read it, I guess what I took away was the first one mm-hmm. that it yeah. suggests. It's suggesting like just if you take it at face value on the nose, it's saying. No, members of the royal family <laughs> can sense things that regular peasants significantly can't. Significantly better than the rest yeah. of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what what I would say, going forward to like the Don't Judge a Book by its cover, and she comes in uh, and, and the the king is dubious about her appearance. Hmm. This seems a little dubious. Well, I'm a little bit dubious as well. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying. Her explanation for her appearance that, was... I'm picturing you next to the king, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. saying this to him. Seems a little dubious. Exactly, sire. Yeah. That's what I thought. That's what I was thinking. So uh, what were you thinking? Tell so, the king, Adam. So she's come here and says, oh, my explanation for my appearance, uh, my my tatty clothes, mm. is the colour was mostly faded by the sun yeah. and then the rain washed the rest out. <laughs> the rain the the rain washed the colour out of the clothes. Come it's, on it's now. Come on. Come on. Come on. Pull the other one. Come on. The king's like, yes, okay, Adam, I get it. All right, let me think. I'm just saying, that just seems a bit weird. Mm. It's a small point, but I think it's worth making. No, I thank you. Yeah, someone, you. someone's got to say it. Someone's got to say it. That's why the king thinks of you as his most trusted advisor. Exactly. You say what people don't say. Yeah, but I say what they're thinking. So, I have a question, and... Yeah. I'm hoping you can help me with this because my memory is terrible. Yeah, okay. Really terrible. Okay. But have we encountered <gasps> a test for women before involving peas? <laughs> Which sounds what so a weird. Sentence. Sounds so weird. I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I've missed doing the podcast. Because you say things like that. This podcast makes you say the weirdest things. Um we have had a pee test before in a Brothers Grimm story called The Twelve Huntsmen. The Twelve Huntsmen. What if I said... Yes. Sexist Lion? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Twelve Doppelgangers? Yeah. So, that was a story we did a few years ago. <laughs> so tantalizing. Uh, <laughs> there were basically... Uh, so this is another Brothers Grimm story. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were 12 women disguised as male hunters in a yes. king's court. The king has a lion who says, <laughs> mate, they're not women, and strew some peas on the floor. Yeah. Men have a firm step. Yes. That's and they'll right. have no problems with those peas. <laughs> but women will scream or something and they just won't be able to cope. Yeah, yeah. But a friendly servant tells the hunters this, who are the 12 identical women who are disguised as male hunters. Yeah, yeah. And they suck it up and they tread hard on those peas. <laughs> And the, the king says, "Lion, you're you're a fool. Look, yeah, they're not women. They can tread on the peas." <laughs> um, yeah, so this is not our first pee test. This is <laughs> crazy. But um, <laughs> but uh, testing for different things. One is, are you a true princess? And one is, uh, are you are you a woman? Are you a woman? <laughs> and you know, maybe this is the reason that they removed the princess and the pea from the fairy tale collection because they already had a story with a form of <laughs> pee test. Um, Wait, we've already got one like this. Uh, check it out. Man. We'll kind of we'll get to that stuff later. Yeah. But um yeah, we have had we've had one before. Incredible. It's uh it's very strange. It's really weird. 
in German. This story is titled Die Erbsenprobe. Die Erbsenprobe. Die Erbsenprobe. Now, we are the first to translate it. That's a very generous use of the word we, I suppose. Yeah. Well, yeah. We've done a great job. <laughs> Haven't we just? I mean, I've done nothing. Literally nothing. <laughs> well, our, our expert translators have translated that title, the Erbsenprobe, uh, as either the P trial okay. or the P test. No way. Yeah. So all this talk of the P test, and I'm thinking this is an interesting phrasing. That's literally the title of the story. Yeah, that's what that means, literally. However, Ulrike gave some other options. Okay. They went with the P test, but they added a note saying, since this might sound a bit unfortunate mm. when read out loud, you could call it the princess test, the bride test, or a hard night's sleep. A hard night's sleep. Which are all excellent titles. That's great. But, I mean, we've gone with The Princess and the Pea, because yeah. that's why everyone will know. I'm not sure how many people will click to listen on a story called The Pea Test. <laughs> test. <laughs> but, yeah, if you literally translate it, that's what it would be. I mean, The Princess and the Pea is, in a way, quite prosaic, isn't it? It's, like, quite literal. Mm. The Princess and the Pea. But it's... That's a good title. The Princess and the Pea. Certainly in English, it's, yeah. it, it works better than the P-test <laughs> for, for the reasons we're sort of hinting at. Or the P-trial. Yeah, the P-trial. Sounds like a hard-hitting new drama. <laughs> the P-trial. Uh, thank you, Lisa Marie, by the way, for uh, yeah, sending the, tra- the uh, pronunciation there. Um, yeah, thank you very much. Now, Adam, okay, here's where the episode begins. <laughs> so, oh, We've not even started yet, okay. <laughs> Have we been recording? No, I didn't even bother. You didn't tell me it started. So, I've attempted to investigate the origins of this story, Mm. which has somewhat surprisingly been a struggle. More than a regular famous fairy tale where there's like reams of stuff. Yeah. But anyway, let's have a brief history of The Princess and the Pea. Love it. The history of The Princess and the Pea. So we'll start with The Brothers Grimm. And work backwards from there. Okay. And it's been a a little tricky to kind of construct this episode, but just say, obviously, perhaps obviously, it wasn't the Grimm's that popularized this story. But we'll we'll get to that. Yeah. We're going to start with the Grimm's. So, the Brothers Grimm published their P-test in 1843. Uh, But as we said, they then removed it. Now, I'm aware maybe the whole premise of this episode might be a bit confusing for new listeners. You know, what do you mean they removed a story? Yeah. Um, so we'll take it back to basics real quick. So the brothers Grimm uh, were the two brothers, Jacob Grimm and Wilhelm Grimm, from Hesse in Germany. They first published their collection of fairy tales, which is called Kinder und Hausmarken, in 1812. And then over the next 50 odd years, they republished it six more times. So there are seven versions of the Grimm's fairy tales. And for each republication, they updated, edited, added, removed stories. Which is why the P-test briefly appeared in the fifth edition of the Grimm's fairy tales in 1843, but then was swiftly removed for the sixth edition published in 1850. No way. So it wasn't in the first edition and got taken away at some point. No. It wasn't in there, then it was, then it wasn't again. Yeah. Wow. Fifth edition, then gone. Sixth edition. Whoa. So the reason we didn't have their Princess and the Pea in English 
is because the majority of English language translations of Kindred Hausmarken are of the seventh and final edition. Yeah. So their Princess and the Pea slipped through the cracks, the translation cracks. Oh, no. Are we, and you were able to reach through the translation cracks. <laughs> yeah. Very nimbly, very oh, dexterously. Definitely. And uh, grabbed, grabbed hold of the uh, Princess and the Pea. Grabbed hold of a gem. Yeah. Hiding in the translation cracks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Always check your translation cracks. Does that all make sense? I hope that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I hadn't realised that. I assumed, like, with a lot of the deleted mm. tales, they were, like, present in the very first edition and sort of got yeah. taken away at some point. So this is a slightly interesting, like, twist mm. on that. Now, crucially, the Brothers Grimm weren't the authors of their fairy tales. Their book is a collection of oral folklore, stories handed down through the generations. Mm -hmm. And therefore, each of the Grimm's stories had a source, someone who told it to them. The source for the P-test was none other than Wilhelm Grimm's son, Herman Grimm. Now, this is a podcast first. What? (laughs) Yeah. There's a few names that quite often get thrown around. Yeah, yeah. Like... Marie Hassenflug, you know, Dolch and Wilde, all yeah. of these names. Yeah. His son, His what? own flesh and blood. Um, Mind blown. Now, he was, uh, I looked up when he was born, so he would have been 15 when this story was published. So I don't know if he told them this when he was 15, <laughs> or, you know, he might have told them it earlier. But yeah. Okay. It was uh, the son who we've never had as a source no. before. Herman Grimm. Herman Grimm. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, long story short, basically, the Brothers Grimm had a Princess and the Pea story that they published in 1843, but they erased it. Which begs the question, why? Well, Mm. this is something we've seen before. And as far as I'm aware, we don't normally have specific evidence as to why they did this for specific stories. Yeah. But the thinking is sometimes it was for literary reasons or authenticity reasons, or they didn't think these stories were German enough. Mm-hmm. because they were trying to capture the voice of the German people's German stories. Yeah. So we could hypothesize that's the reason they removed this one, mm-hmm. which begs the question, if it's not German, what is it? Well. Well. Well, Adam. Well, well, well. Well, well, well. <laughs> well, well, well. <laughs> well, maybe it's Danish, Adam. Oh, could it be Danish? Okay. Because a few years back, in 1836, a new kid emerged on the block. A certain Hans Christian Andersen published his first collection of fairy tales. Hello. Which included a short tale called Princessen per Arden, or The Princess and the Pea, <gasps> one of his best-known stories. Incredible, and crucially not called The Pea Test. Oh, well, I don't actually know. I would imagine not. I'm, I'm guessing... From Princess and Per Arden. It sounds like Princess and Per. It does. We'll go with that. I didn't yeah. find a Danish translator, sadly. I, I can be pretty confident with that. But you, you are a resident Danish uh, consultant. Now. Absolutely. Yeah. Adam, this is the Princess and the P. The one you know. Yeah. The one I know. Okay. The one the Brothers Grimm would have known. The OG PATP. Incredible. The original gangster. Princess and the Pea. Yeah, you heard <laughs> to, it. To use the full. Um, amazing. So this is this is cool because 
I mean, it's it's different, isn't it? Because quite often you're tracing the history of one of these Grimm's Tales mm. and it leads you back to medieval <laughs> Italy. This goes back just a few years at this point Okay, to well, Hans Christian Andersen. What I mean by that is it's like, it's the one that became it's the famous. One that we know. Okay. It's the one that we know and love. I guess the reason I say that is because one thing we know about Hans Christian Andersen is that where he differs from the Grimm's is he often auth- like literally authors tales. Himself. Yeah, but very good. But yeah, Adam, hold your horses okay, because sorry, I I'm think sorry. it's probably in our episode on the Princess and the Pea, it's only right that we read that story too. Yes, please. <laughs> and, you know, thank the Lord, it's also really short, probably even shorter. Oh, wow. I'm going to okay. race through it, but I think we have, we have to hear it. Yeah. So uh, here we go. Let's Princess and the Pea. Hans Christian Andersen's version. Once upon a time, there was a prince who wanted to marry a princess, but she would have to be a real princess. He travelled all over the world to find one, but nowhere could he get what he wanted. There were princesses enough, but it was difficult to find out whether they were real ones. There was always something about them that was not as it should be. So he came home again and was sad, for he would have very much liked to have had a real princess. One evening, a terrible storm came on. There was thunder and lightning, and the rain poured down in torrents. Familiar? Mm. Suddenly, a knocking was heard at the city gate, and the old king went to open it. He's gone himself this time. Yeah, why is the king opening the city gates? In his dressing gown. For God's sake. At this time of night. (laughs) Well, it was a princess standing out there in front of the gate. But good gracious, what a sight the rain and the wind had made her look. The water ran down from her hair and clothes. It ran down into the toes of her shoes and out again at the heels. And yet she said that she was a real princess. Well, we'll soon find that out, thought the old queen. But she said nothing, went into the bedroom, took off all the bedding off the bedstead and laid a pea on the bottom. Then she took 20 mattresses and laid them on the pea. That's more like it. And then... 20 eider-down beds on top of the mattresses. <laughs> eider-down beds? Eider-down beds. <laughs> what? We're Enough. talking 40 mattresses. Whoa. This is more like this it. This is more like this it. This is much more okay. like it. <laughs> on this, the princess had to lie all night. In the morning, she was asked how she had slept. Oh, very badly, she said. I have scarcely closed my eyes all night. Heaven only knows what was in the bed, but I was lying on something hard so that I am black and blue all over my body. It's horrible. (laughs) Now they knew that she was a real princess, because she had felt the pee right through the 20 mattresses and the 20 eider-down beds. Nobody but a real princess could be as sensitive as that. (laughs) So, So the prince took her for his wife, for now he knew that he had a real princess. And the pee was put in the museum, where it may still be seen, if no one has stolen it. There, that is a true story. The end. second what? Yeah. what 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 is that at the end the pea's been put in the museum the pea's in the museum what museum the the one we went to that you mentioned earlier no way there was a pea on a little uh cushion in a glass box and that was the pea well i mean no <laughs> it's a story adam but that's what the story told me yeah well okay but the right. story didn't know that there would be a yes. museum in 20 whatever 
opened in. Well, this is a this is a good point, right? It ends with him saying, "Oh, nobody but a princess can be that sensitive," and they got married. And the pea was put in a museum where you can still see it if it hasn't been stolen. That's a true story. Is it maybe more clear or leaning towards being a joke? Hmm. Is it taking the mick? Okay, taking the okay. Michael there. Yeah. Maybe a little bit lost in translation, but sort of ending saying there, that's a true story, might be poking fun a and saying it's ridiculous. Yeah. Hmm. Which would help your um, confusion as to where Absolutely. the P now resides. But um, <laughs> So it's just being a bit sarky. I quite like it if it's sarcastic. Because it's it's... It's punching up, isn't it? At yeah. The pomposity of, of royalty or like... Yeah. Hmm. hmm. It's interesting because even then, before you said that, I didn't take it in that way. Okay. I mean, I know what you call me sometimes, Mr. Literal. I was <laughs> trying so hard not to say it. Yeah, no, you what, can say Wait, it. what museum is the P in? <laughs> <laughs> but... We've never had that in a story where it says, well, yeah, that's in a museum now. It's just such a... It's I think, a whiplash on that ending. Yeah, that's as far as you got. You maybe didn't hear the... Uh, there, that's a true story. That's a true story. Mm. So, okay. I, I, I loved it. But obviously cool. very similar for the yeah. most part to, to the Grimm's version. Um, number of mattresses, I approve. 40 mattresses is, is a good number, right? Agreed. That you, I'm picturing it. It looks right. It looks so so right. <laughs> it looks right. So, so I'll I take love, it. What I love though is when you 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 picture that, and then you picture this woman coming out from the rain and being like, "Come stay the night." And you take her out there, and she's like, "Okay, <laughs> okay." It's a bit weird. Yeah. Um, but it's great. One P. One P. Happy about that. Yeah. It's the princess and the P. Yeah, they that's, got that right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's not the princess and the P's. Exactly. Yeah. This is three P nonsense. Um. Now, in this one, she doesn't just feel it. The pee yeah. beats her up, basically. <laughs> yeah. She comes out in the morning black and blue. Yeah, it beats her up. Yeah. <laughs> it really does. But yeah, there's nice touches. It's all kind of amped up. The, yeah. The drama a little bit. Yeah. But apart from that, very, very similar. Very similar. So it's not a leap to think that Herman Grimm was ultimately just recounting the Hans Christian Andersen Well, that's one. what I was going to ask. So that's essentially what happened that that story did the rounds and he heard it or read it or something well, we don't know i mean i couldn't find any uh evidence either way sure. or anyone even speculating on that but but the timeline I think, the timeline works doesn't well, it? so this was published 12 years before the grim one yeah um and hans christianison was very well known across europe and acquainted with the grims at some point yeah exactly so, maybe yeah. not at that point but he was a famous figure his stories were everywhere yeah so it's not really a leap to think Herman Grimm was just telling the Hans Christian Andersen story. I'd believe it. I'd believe it. Okay. <laughs> but then I'm a very credulous person. Literal and credulous. <laughs> That's me. Um, so, yeah. So, um, Andersen came first. Mm-hmm. But where did he get it from? Now, Hans Christian Andersen was an interesting figure. He came from very real, deep poverty in the city of Odense in Denmark. That we visited last we year. We saw his house that he grew up in. Very small. 
And as you mentioned, he's what's called a literary fairy tale writer. Mm-hmm. So unlike the Brothers Grimm, who were trying to preserve the voice of the tale tellers in a kind of academic way, mm-hmm. Hans Christian Andersen went the other direction. He'd take folk tales, play with them, embellish them, add flair and bombast and melodrama and his own unique voice to the stories. Mm. He would just sort of use them as a jumping off point or a springboard. Yeah. And actually, Anderson said that he based The Princess and the Pea on folk tales he'd heard as a child. Okay, okay, right, right, right. Which implies it comes from an oral tradition. It's not entirely a story he invented. So, therefore, naturally, I thought, well, all right, well, let's find Princess and the Pea elsewhere. But all the, like, analyses I've read in books and articles, they all say the same thing to prove that it's an oral folktale. Because I'm thinking, it's an oral folktale. Let's, let's find more versions. Sure. But all they say is, there's a similar Swedish folktale version. And that's it. Oh. So it so, sounds like the trail sort of goes, goes a little bit cold there. It, Scandinavian cold. Well, yeah. very cold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they all say, uh, there's a similar Swedish version. Hmm. And that's all they say. But after much searching, <gasps> I did find the so-called Swedish story. And it's called The Palace That Stood on Golden Pillars. Whoa. It seems to be the only folk story with the Princess and the Pea narrative collected by folklorists in the 19th century. But that's weird, because we normally have tons. We normally have loads of uh, similar stories found in different countries across Europe or the world that are collected back then. Yeah. And kind of annoyingly, like the Grimm's, this Swedish version was published after the Hans Christian Andersen version. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to go into the Swedish story now, um, but the main thing of note... For time reasons. Sure, sure. But the main thing of note is that it's made clear in the Swedish version that the princess is just a normal girl and she learns that the queen is going to give her the pee test. So she pretends. Oh, nice. So this is a bit like the um, the, the women in the Twelve Huntsmen. They get yeah. a little bit of insider knowledge and they're able exactly. to sort of uh, game the test. Sort of 100%. Right, interesting. So we've got three recorded Princess and the Pea yep. uh, type stories in the 19th century. Grimm's, Swedish, Anderson, And yep. Anderson's publication was the earliest of these, 1835. Is that all making any sense? No, that is making sense. Um, okay. But we haven't made much headway back into the past, if that's a sentence that makes sense. Well, how very timely, if, that, if I may say that as well. <laughs> yes, you may. <laughs> You're right, Adam. Here, we would normally expect to go back, you know, through other fairy tale writers a few hundred years ago, Greek mythology or something like that. But no, there's only one other glimpse of this narrative trope in the history of the written record. Whoa. That's quite a statement. Yeah. That is a big statement. I'm slightly worried about it now. (laughs) Buckle up, Adam. Okay. Because we are heading to 11th century India. Oh, yes. Kashmir, to be precise. That's what I'm talking about. There is a bed test featured in a work known as The Ocean of the Streams of Stories, written a thousand years ago in India. Wow. And I've, I've, read, I've read it. Not The Ocean of the Streams of Stories. No, I was going to say. Absolutely huge work. Apparently it's longer than the Iliad and the Odyssey combined. Oh, wow. But I've, I've read the story that's rela- that has a bed test. And 
let me tell you, the protagonist in this makes our princess look like a pauper. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, this is going to be crazy. Do you want to hear it? Uh, yeah, you wanna, of course. <laughs> you want to hear a summed up version? Is that even okay. a question? Yes, please. Okay, it's called The Story of the Three Fastidious Men. <laughs> Are you ready? Three Fastidious Men. Yeah, I love it. Okay. The Story of the Three Fastidious Men. A Brahmin had three sons who were distinguished for preternatural acuteness. Now, one day, the, these three brothers, they caught a turtle to sacrifice to their father. And the eldest said, uh, you guys got to do it. And they said, why? And he said, well, you know, I'm very fastidious about eating. The turtle, it's like slimy and I just can't. The second oldest said, uh, actually, I'm a more fastidious person than you, for I am a most fastidious connoisseur of the fair sex. And the eldest said, all right, well, the, the youngest has to sacrifice the turtle. And the youngest brother said, you absolute fools, I am very fastidious about beds. So actually, I'm the most fastidious of the lot of us. Sorry. <laughs> what in earth is this? So three sons have been the tasked, <laughs> tasked to sacrifice a turtle to their dad. Yeah. And then effectively, the elders have gone, well, I can't do it because I'm a fussy eater. Yeah. The middle one goes... Well, I can't do it because I'm fussy about women. And the third one goes, well, I'm fussy about beds, you muppets. And then... Yeah. I, okay, that is what's happened. Okay. That's exactly what's happened. <laughs> yeah, okay. quite a lot so to what, take what are to do? Yeah. So they left the turtle and they went to the king. <laughs> they went to the, the king of the land yeah. to decide this matter once and for all. Hmm. Uh, you know, who's the most fastidious? And the king said, okay, cool, let's find out. <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly the kind of thing I like. So... First, they were invited to dine with the court, and an incredible meal was laid out. Mm -hmm. But the eldest brother turned his nose up at everything. And the king said, why, why won't you eat? The rice is amazing. You've got to try it. Mm. And he said, it's disgusting. <laughs> Especially the rice. It smells like dead people. <laughs> That's so rude. Well, the rice was then investigated, and it turned out that near where the rice, <laughs> that near where the rice was cultivated was a funeral pyre site. What? And the, the king was amazed, like you are, and said, wow. <laughs> they investigated the rice. <laughs> What's happening? Next, okay. the king summoned the most beautiful woman in the court. Uh, and in the evening, he sent her to the second brother, as you do. But the brother, when she came in, mm. he nearly fell down fainting. He said, get this horrible woman out of here. She smells like goat. So they investigated the woman, and near to the woman was a goat. Well, after some artful questioning, it turns out that this woman was raised on goat milk. And she, and therefore she smelt like a goat. Yeah. Well, the king, he gave a slow clap. Wow, you are fastidious. Very fastidious. Next up, it's the youngest brother. Mm -hmm. The king had seven mattresses stacked on top of each other on the bedstead. The brother then went to bed. But in the middle of the night, he sat up screaming in agony with his hand pressed to his side. The king's officers raced in and they saw a red crooked mark on his side. They ran to tell the king. He said, check the bed. And under the bottommost mattress was a single hair. Oh, a hair. And they took the hair and the brother to the king. And the king was astonished by the state of him. He said, that hair really messed you up. <laughs> I mean, this... Can I... I mean... The guy is a bit pathetic. 
Why? He's just fastidious about that. He's very fast- He's so fastidious that the hair left a mark on him. Yeah. Whoa. The king then spent the whole night wondering how a hair under seven beds could do that to a man. Well, I'm wondering the very same. <laughs> and I'll just quote uh, the, the ending. And the next morning, the king gave 300,000 gold pieces to those three fastidious men because they were persons of wonderful discernment and refinement. And they remained in great comfort in the king's court, forgetting all about the turtle. And little did they reckon of the fact that they had incurred sin by obstructing their father's sacrifice. Now, in the book, The Ocean of the Streams of Stories, that story is being told to a king. Right, it's just one of those like overarching structures like in Thousand One Nights or... Yeah. Is it even in the Pankatantra maybe or... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And that's another Indian work. Yeah, yeah. So it's a frame story. Yeah. So a lot of these old uh, collections of tales are stories within stories within stories. Yeah. And a king has just been told that story. And yeah. at this point, the person who told the tale says, "What do you What do you think of that king? Who was the most fastidious?" And the king says, mm, "I'd say it's the youngest brother because you could see the mark on his body." Whereas the other brothers technically could have attained their information from elsewhere and pulled a fast one. The end. <laughs> wow. Incredible. I, well, so much to say. Well, just to say, first of all, so that story is taken from chapter 84 in book 12 of the Ocean of the Streams of Stories. It's uh, Okay, you weren't kidding. Yeah, it's a huge work compiled mm. by a guy called Samadeva who was a Hindu Brahmin, and it was written between 1063 and 1081 AD. And it's kind of a collection of legends and folktales that existed before the work oh, was written. Wow. Yeah. Is that, does, that, um, does that predate the Pankatantra? I don't think so. So yeah, that's a, that's a collection of um, Indian fables. I can't answer that off the top of my head, but they're both very old. Yeah. yeah. That's incredible. What did you think of the story? I, I loved it. It's good. It's weird. It, okay, here's my thing. So, so right at the end there, you sort of, you left that layer of story to go up one mm. layer, mm-hmm. one level to the king being told that story. And he says, yeah. the most fastidious is the, is the young mm. uh, so, uh, brother because he, uh, there's a, like a physical mark on him. Mm-hmm. The others could be just getting information. Now, that's not how being fastidious works, is it? You can't be so fastidious that you are physically marked by something. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I suppose it means sensitive more than fastidious. I guess so, yeah. Because in case you were wondering, fastidious, adjective, very attentive to and concerned about accuracy and detail. And if you're so concerned about accuracy and detail that you <laughs> you wake up with a big mark on your body, like... Okay, I mean, I love the... So, fewer mattresses in this one, but yeah, the stakes seven. were raised by uh, having it be a hair instead of a pea. Yeah. And also, he isn't a trickster. No implication of that. No. He really is that sensitive. Yeah. We think. We think, yeah. And this is the earliest recorded version of this trope. Anyway. Yeah. And, you know, for my money, this kind of gives credence to the idea that it, it is a true oral folktale narrative. It's not an invention of Hans Christian Andersen. No, there's parallels there. But it is remarkable 
that there are no other instances of this trope mm. anywhere else. You know, normally we get loads. We get like Renaissance stories, medieval manuscripts, mythology, religion. You get tropes found in folk tales, mm. but not here. So we go from a thousand years ago in India, we s- skip straight to Hans Christian Andersen, yeah. <laughs> who made it one of the most famous narratives in the entire world. Yeah. It's crazy how that's happened. Yeah, and and the the thrust of the Hans Christian Andersen version and indeed the Grimm's version that we talked about, like what what is what is the story trying to say? You can't say that for for this one, can you? Because mm. it's not about royalty, mm. and it's not satirical either. I don't think it's just a that this guy's just really sensitive. And then it goes on to say they forgot all about the turtle. And <laughs> yeah, that wasn't bad because their dad needed yeah. that turtle. There's no, like, there's nothing beyond that in terms of a message yeah. or a moral. Or a- I know what you mean. I, it's it's tricky, though, because this is a 1,000-year-old um, Kashmiri mm. tale that I've summarized from some Victorian bloke's uh, translation of. Sure. Maybe a lot is lost in what yeah, I've yeah, just yeah, summarized. Yeah, sure. But, you know, from what I read, that's pretty much how the story goes. But it's also, it, it's just a kind of fun story, in a way. You in know what way, I mean? And about two, like, about three brothers' rivalry. I mean, it's a, it's a classic structure. We've come across lots of, you know, sets of three brothers, haven't we? Mm. Well, there you go. That is the strange written origins of The Princess and the Pea, wow. The Sensitive Sleeper. Up to the Brothers Grimm. So, in Grim Reading, we give every story we read a mark out of 10 each for a possible maximum score of 20 points. So, Adam, what would you... Give this story out of 10. Hmm. Interesting one. Mm-hmm. Okay. i tell you what doesn't work in its favor. Okay. It's brevity. And you could probably tell that by my reaction when it, out yeah. of nowhere, just ended. Well, I quite like the picture you painted of more drama going on, more tests. Yeah. People being tricked, not believing her. I quite, I, I yeah. want to hear that story. Me too. But it doesn't exist, apparently. Um, that was just in my head. Um, so it was unexpectedly short, and I think it suffers for that. Hmm. But it's iconic. It's yeah. iconic. Okay. Am I supposed to be separating, in a way, the Grimm's version from... Mm. Not that they're that different, mm. but like, am I specifically... Am I just scoring The Princess and the Pete, or am I specifically giving a score to... The Brothers Grimm, Princess and the Pea. I th- yeah, I guess it's the Brothers Grimm, Princess mm. and the Pea, but maybe all of the stuff around it might mm. help it out a bit. Yeah. But we are scoring the... Specifically that story that yeah. appeared in the fifth edition. And brought to the world by Grimm Reading, through Grimm Reading. We have commissioned our own uh, English language translation. Madness. Absolute madness. I'm so, stalling that. I uh, know, it's difficult. I think... It's a hard one because it's really sort of simple and a bit nothingy. Yeah, at the same time, it's very ambiguous and it is iconic at the end of the day. Again, it's a story everybody knows 
Everybody knows. It's true. Even if you don't know her. You know that central... Yeah, uh, yeah. I guess, that, I guess that's what it is, actually. So you can kind of discard all the differences between the Grimm's, Hans Christian Andersen, Salma Davis, and just think, do you like that central concept of the girl sleeping on low well, mattresses it. and feeling the pee? And I do. And, I, and it's weird that, that that concept of the princess and the pee has sort of entered popular culture to the point at which... You know, if someone's like, oh, they can't get comfortable because things aren't quite right, you might even just throw it into everyday conversation. Oh, you're like the princess and the pea, you know. And mm-hmm. I guess that's not to be understated, is it? For a con- for a concept of a story to, like, mm. enter the sort of lexicon in that way. But as a story, I didn't think it was that amazing, necessarily. Yeah. The, it's the image and the idea, I suppose. It's really difficult, man. Let me just float a number and we'll just see how it goes. Yeah? Okay. Okay. How about... How do we, how do we feel? How do we how feel? How do we feel? How do we feel? Let's all just check our feelings. About a five out of ten. How's that, how's that going down? It's going down nicely. Okay, good. I think, I think that would... That's fair, isn't it? Yeah, it's neutral. It's very neutral. That's what I'm all about. Neutrality. Yeah. Neutral literal Adam. Yep. Are you sticking with five? I think so. Okay. That's what my gut was saying. That was my first thought, and I'm going to stick with it. Five. Five out of ten. Nice. Okay, five out of ten. I think I'm thinking along those lines. I think I was thinking maybe a little higher. I think I didn't understand it, but I enjoyed it. Like, I don't <laughs> yeah. know what's going on here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it's trying to tell me. Yeah. It does have the kind of negative connotations of fairy tales or you know what when people are dismissive of, of fairy tales or mm. think of them as childish or a bit uh, not giving good messages people yeah. think probably of the princess and the fee yeah but as you've already said you know you imagined in your head it was a, of a, a woman who was oversensitive and like she didn't come across well in the story yeah and as we've seen here maybe in Hans Christian Andersen's original if we can call it that one it's kind of a joke, possibly. Mm. I do. I do like that idea that it's a joke. I think that yeah improves it. And as we've discovered before, you know, Hans Christianesen was from a very poor background and was sort of inveigled, brought into the sort of bourgeois class in Copenhagen. So you know, maybe it's a little bit of him S- sticking it to his new friends. Yeah, kind of. You know, yeah. you know what I mean. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. very. Uh, in a very socially divided uh, society. So I don't really know what's what's going on, but <laughs> I do love that um, central concept, that central image. Mm. But yeah, we do have that, we do have that tension between is she really that sensitive or is she tricking them? It's kind of unresolved. Yeah. I don't know. I'm thinking maybe a six was, mm. was my thought. Okay. That feels right. 6.5. No, I'm going to go six. Six. That's your final answer. Uh. <laughs> No, I'm going to go 6.5. Are you really? Okay. Yeah, because of those three. I'm giving 0.5 to the three fastidious men. The turtle and uh, <laughs> the funeral pyre and the uh, disgusting rice. Excellent. Okay, 6.5. So that gives it, in total, an 11.5 out of 20. Oof. Um, Not amazing. No. As a score goes she on this podcast. She's not going to be happy with that score. No, the sorry. princess. Think as 
famous fairy tales go, I think that might actually be the lowest score we've given for one. I, I mean, it's we've got to be honest about it. Yes, it's a famous one. And I should say, of course, that like any low score we give is not reflective at all of like all the hard work everyone's put in as part of Project Six. <laughs> yeah. This is not a reflection on any of that. This is the wow. story. People are going to be very upset, Adam. I know. I'm, re- I'm really sorry. <laughs> what a way to start off again after our break with our lowest scoring famous story. Back with a bang. <laughs> Back with a bang. Well, um, yeah. So speaking of the, the translators, so I found out about this, Princess and the Pea, Brothers mm-hmm. Grimm, maybe about two years ago now. And we put a shout out to our patrons for a, a secret project mm. codenamed Project Zeus and just ask any German speakers to uh, to volunteer. I then got distracted by other things. <laughs> and, uh, but during our hiatus, I got in touch with the volunteers and they were all still keen. So, yeah, our translators again were Lisa Marie, Ulrike Coeble, Sadie Labram and Catherine Schrader. Now, Catherine is a teacher at an international school, and she set this as homework for her German-speaking students, Ryan Hansen and Jay Hong, who sent a version. Amazing. We're sorry to uh, have basically given you homework, but um, really appreciate all of uh, all of your hard work. Yeah, thank you, guys. You've made history today. Yeah. A very, very small piece of history. But I like to think a big one in the world of, of folkloristics or grim reading, at least. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it's a world first. There's no getting around it. It's a world first. <laughs> I know, that's amazing, isn't it's it? It's incredible. We'll talk more about the translations and all that in our Patreon podcast, Grim Fables. But uh, essentially, I got all these six versions and then I just kind of merged them together and compiled them into one version. Yeah. And then just kind of tidied it all up at the end i didn't want to be too precious with it as we've heard tonight you know the grims would edit their stories and and do their thing and i kind of took a leaf out of their book interestingly though uh, catherine um said that it's very very simple the prose Mm -hmm. and she she said to me that oh i imagine you'll get very similar translations from everyone but we still did get quite different sentence constructions from different people which was interesting yeah and we'll go into that as i say in our uh, in our patron podcast. But, but just a quick question on that. Did you give everyone volunteering for Project Use the same source text? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's yeah, exactly that, no, that is same. interesting. Which had a fair few quirks in it as well. Um, but again, we'll go into that elsewhere. But yeah, thanks everyone. That was amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. I loved it. What a fun project. And what a fun way to come back to the podcast after our break. Yeah. So the next time... You'll join us mm-hmm. at Grim Castle. Won't be for a regular new series. No, we are delighted to announce the arrival of the Grim Tournament. Yes, a.k.a. Grimbledon. Grimbledon! <laughs> Which I've come around to now. Hey, I'm happy with you're on board with Grimbledon. That's good, that's good. So we've now finished Volume 1 of Kim Doon House Marken. And before we start Volume 2, we're going to have a tournament at Grimbledon to decide the best Brothers Grimm story. Of so, volume one. Of volume one. <laughs> that, that's, that, that's a little <laughs> asterisk you've got you to mention. Bring your jousting gear. There's a tournament happening, Adam. E. We'll be pitting 20 of the highest scoring and best stories against each other to decide the ultimate 
tale. Anyone can participate. It will take probably eight or nine episodes, we think. Yeah. We'll have more details of what to expect uh, in the first episode of the tournament, which will be the draw, where we'll be working out what the different groups are. The different groups are in the yeah. group stage. Yeah. yeah. As you can imagine, maybe a little bit complicated for our poor brains to, to set up. So there's a little bit of uh, fine-tuning and, and a bit of planning to be done. But uh, I can't wait now. And it'd, be, it'd be good to find out. Because that's what everyone's asking. Everyone listens to the podcast yeah. and they go, this is, this is great, guys. But what's the best story? Yeah. We will see you at the draw. Until then, keep it grim. Keep it grim. See you soon, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to support the podcast, please head over to patreon.com slash grimreading to find out how, and also see the range of benefits available as a thank you from us. You can, of course, email us at grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, at grimreadingpod, and we're also on Instagram and Facebook, at grimreading. You can find us on Podbean, podbean.com slash grimreading, and we also have a website, grimreading.wordpress.com. Keep it grim.